0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD?
0: Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably.
1: Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know?
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: I honestly had no idea about the connection between over-drinking and ADHD until we started this podcast.
0: About 40%
1: of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might, or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast.
0: It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information,
1: validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf.
0: Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life –
1: from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain.
0: And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast.
1: So Vic, today's episode was inspired by a book that I've literally just finished.
0: Gosh, I'm so in awe of you being able to read books, Hamish, because there's a pile next
1: to my bed that are untouched. Well, let me tell you the truth. I've just been to Sydney by myself. Okay, that changed everything. My flight was delayed an hour, which is kind of fantastic. I read a whole book. Delayed a flight, plus one hour, one and a half hour flight. I read a whole book. It's taken me probably, well, Sunny's what... Over a year old. I reckon I've read two books in his lifetime. Oh, yeah. And then a book in three hours. How satisfying. It was bliss. Yes. It was so good. So it was, it was, you know, I don't really read books for fun anymore, though. Like all like books that have vaguely something to do with sobriety. Yeah. So this one is phenomenal, though. It's been chosen on our Kappa Book of the Month a few times, I think. It's called Atomic Habits. It's by a guy called James Clear. And it is fantastic okay good a lot of moments when i was reading it i had this sort of aha penny drop realization moments yeah that really that really relate to sobriety well, that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into it though because it's basically a whole book about habits okay, okay. we've so, all got
0: a few of those hamish well, that is
1: why i wanted to ask you i don't want to hear about your adult habits because we've probably covered those at some point yeah i want to meet Eight to 12 year old, Vic. Okay. What terrible habits did you have as a kid?
0: I used to break everything. I had a bit of a reputation of breaking things, tearing clothes. My sister was smaller than me and I used to wear her clothes all the time and rip them and breaking toys. So I created a reputation for myself as a person that breaks things. Which
1: you've struggled to shake off, the clumsy family. Which it hasn't shaken off. My
0: parents still think I break things all the time, which Mm. I actually don't. Well, sometimes I do. (laughs) Not all the time, but I do sometimes break things. I'm a bit slovenly, I think, Hamish okay. would be the word that my dad would use for me. Tell he me what that used means. to call me barrel body and slovenly.
1: Barrel body?
0: Yes, he thinks I'm shaped like a barrel. Oh, yeah. How does that feel? <laughs> I don't mind, it's quite funny. It's partly true. <laughs> um, I used to lie a little bit as well as a kid. Mm. Um, I remember throwing the homemade rice pudding down the toilet and saying it was my sister. <laughs> I went to the village hall school disco, but actually I told my parents that's where I was, but I was actually a legal rave in a field in Oxford. I once had a new boyfriend and I told my parents that their dad worked away. Actually, he was in Libya in jail for arms dealing.
1: <laughs> really? I'm interested yeah. in that. I feel like all of us as kids lie. Yeah, I don't we, know why yeah. we pick it up. I used to tell people that I came second or third in junior Wimbledon. Yeah, (laughs) the truth was I played in a tennis competition in Wimbledon, which I came second or third in. It had nothing to do with the Wimbledon.
0: people ask me, did you ever play tennis? I always say, yeah, I was in the Oxfordshire County Trials, but I was in the Oxfordshire County Trials. And I did not get one point. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I failed miserably.
1: <laughs> My brother, like me, very slow runner. And he was obviously at school two years above me. So yeah. when I went to the, to the school with him, his mates were telling me that, oh, yeah, Ferg's a slow runner, but it's because he's only got one hamstring. Oh. <laughs> Ferg are we gonna talk
0: about the fact you said everybody got one hamstring it's like Nellie at school and the snake telling snake. everyone she'd been bitten by a black red-bellied black
1: well Nell was funny the other night when I was babysitting because she was on the iPad right and I was with her and George was somewhere else in the house and the iPad or the Alexa timer went off I was like oh what's what's that timer for I thought was there something in the fridge or the oven? oh yeah Freddie and medicine timer she just goes no, it wasn't even that. Oh. It was George has set it because it was the end of Nelly's 15 minutes on the iPad. Yeah. And she just looked at me and she goes, Don't worry about that, that's nothing. And <laughs> George, yeah, five minutes later, goes, Is that time I got off yet? Yeah. Yeah, Nelly's been on for too long, Nelly's been on for too long. <laughs> They're such little fibbers, aren't they? A little, little bit of a teacher's pet. That's yes. That's what I've been Oh, okay, George. yes. So maybe George's gone the other side. Yes, it's much better he's to be that fibbing. side. Now yeah. he knows no, his no, head he's head of never, school.
0: No, he's never been a fibber, George. No, no right. but
1: tell you what, George does. Yeah he speaks with such assuredness yes. on things which he is totally wrong about yes. so he said oh we're talking about um prime the drink that all the oh, kids yes, like yes. jake paul came up with this drink jake paul's a youtuber she he goes yeah he's a billionaire he's been a billionaire since he was 22 so i'm googling he's, no he's not Don't, a never google no. anything that and george goes. says oh if um if australia win the football then they'll play england in the quarterfinals i was like no no they won't no, no. that's the semi-finals but he's so sure yes you think
0: he's probably right yeah i think he's a exaggerator it's like my it? mother is and i probably am makes a story better it does yes and i think I'm that's the purpose into that yes it's sort of fibbing but it's sort of white lies to to make a story more interesting yeah. for everybody else yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so what's this got to do with our podcast today hamish Waymish?
1: well we all had bad habits as kids and we have carried those on into adulthood and one of them might be drinking, which is a habit we're now trying to get rid of.
0: Yes, exactly. Reading a book isn't always easy. Life gets in the way and those moments when you are by yourself in silence are harder and harder to come by, as I well know. Ham and I get it. So rather than sending you off to buy or read this book, which of course you should do too, I'd hate it if someone said that about my book. Go out and buy it.
1: (laughs) We'll be saying that so much. Yeah, we'll be saying that.
0: Allow us to share the wisdom we learnt from this short passage.
1: Do you, be honest with me, because I know you have a lying past, do you listen to books on Audible and then tell people that you're currently reading that book?
0: Uh, no, but because I don't listen to books okay. on Audible, See, I do because it. I don't have time for that even.
1: See, I'm in the car a lot, so I can say, oh, I'm actually reading two books at the moment. There's the one on my oh, bedside you say table. Say you're
0: reading it, yeah, and you're listening do, to because it. it. Sounds intelligent. Oh my god! Yeah, everyone's going to know that about you. you go, Hamish, hey, can't okay. even read.
1: I go, No, I have a book on my bedside table, which obviously I don't read because I have a child and life. Yeah. And then the book on Audible, oh, I'm reading that too.
0: Yeah, it's a great, great book. Is that the Karma Sutra?
1: Yeah, that's yes, next yeah, to your yeah. bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: By the end of today's episode, we hope to teach you the most effective method to give up a bad habit, like drinking alcohol.
1: Okay, so here's my thought process. On this podcast, we have spoken a lot about why it's good to go sober. We constantly talk about why we drank in the first place, and we offer you certain tools that might help along the way. This episode is going to be specifically how you should give up.
0: Okay, So not why did
1: you drink, how you should go about giving up. Like mentally... Like how you can pick apart a habit, a bad one, or create a good one. We're okay. going down like really into the functionality of human behaviour. Oh, I love it, Hamish. That may sound very clever, but it's because i read a good book. So we're going to talk about why good habits are hard to stick to, whilst bad habits linger around like your dog's farts. Hmm. And we're going to start off by looking at... Go, mm, mm, dog's ask, farts, lovely, you. yes. Mm. I'm
0: we're, just imagining one right <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> we're going to start off by looking at three positive habits that a lot of you would have tried but perhaps struggled to stick to long term. These are regulars in your New Year's resolution list. Things like meditating, journaling exercise any of those ring any bells all of them yeah all of them right they're quite big ones and
0: also i was thinking about why dog farts always smell of eggs when dogs don't eat eggs but yeah. apart from that yes all of those do ring a bell with me hamish Good. in comparison bad habits seem a lot harder to shake off for example eating badly time on the phone we are all terrible at that
1: yes. nowadays and of course, drinking booze. The reason for this, that James Clear describes so beautifully in his book, is that we try to change the wrong thing.
0: Ah, oh, interesting. Okay. Stick with us. Okay, imagine that there are three levels at which a change can occur. He draws three circles inside each other like
1: three layers of an onion. Yeah. I kind of feel like we should draw this or have it. Somewhere. Yes, we'll put it online. Just if you've got a, ha- a pen in your hand, just draw three circles inside. Okay, the outermost layer that is changing your outcomes. This is concerned with changing results, like goal setting at the start of the year. I want to lose weight. I want to publish a book. I want to become a world champion swimmer. Or most appropriately for us, I want to be sober.
0: Second layer is changing your process. This is to do with changing our habits and systems. For example, you implement a new routine at the gym, you develop a meditation practice, you make your bed every day to feel more efficient, or you don't head home via the pub at the end of every working week. Most of the habits that we build
1: are associated with this level. Finally, the third and deepest layer is changing your identity. This is the level concerned with changing your beliefs, your worldview and your self-image. And this one is the key to a long-lasting sobriety.
0: To offer you these three levels more succinctly, Clear writes that outcomes are about what you get, processes are about what you do, and identity is about what you believe.
1: It's clear that all levels of change are useful in their own way. The problem is the direction of change that we choose. Most of us begin the process of changing our habits like drinking by focusing on what we want to achieve. I want to go sober. The issue with this is that it leads to outcome-based habits, whereas the alternative is to build identity-based habits, which are far deeper and will lead to a longer-lasting sobriety. So instead of saying, I want to go sober, start by focusing on who you want to become. Okay,
0: right. I'm getting this. That all sounds well and good, but how does it actually
1: work? All right, no problem. I'm going to look at some of the habits in my life before we look at some of yours. And I want us to be as honest as possible and put them through the test that I've just described to see whether we can figure out why some work and others don't. Right, right yeah. Bring, bring it on. Like a little exercise, really. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let me tell you about my journey with meditation. We'll have a good journey, Okay, Hamish. so a few years ago, I had the goal of doing something good for my mental health, right? Outcome. Mm-hmm. I thought that if I meditated every day, the process, then I would achieve this goal.
0: Okay, wait. I still already find that interesting, Hamish, because mm. there, that is, you would think that was enough there, wouldn't you? Yes. I'm going to have the intention to do something, then I'm going to do it, and then for everything will change. Yes. Okay.
1: So, with sobriety, I want to go sober, so I'm just not going to drink every day, and then... Job done.
0: Oh yes, yeah. not as simple as that. Never is it? as simple okay. as that. Okay.
1: So what I never considered was to shift the way I looked at myself to achieve this, right? The identity. As a result, I think I lasted maybe one week. I might have med- maybe two, but I don't think I did it every day for two. I sort of dropped in and out. The story I told myself was that I was not the kind of person that meditates. I'm a pretty happy guy, so what's the point? Basically, I was doomed from the start because of that mindset. Right. Had I begun with the goal of becoming somebody who meditates, the identity, I may have lasted a little longer. Does that make sense to you, Vic?
0: A little bit, yes. I I get what you're getting at, if you know what I mean.
1: So which healthy habit have you tried and failed to implement long-term?
0: Well, the exact same thing, Hamish, meditation. meditation. I know it would be good for me and I know I need it because I have a very chattery brain. In fact, I think I probably have ADHD. A lot of people email me to say that I do. Right. But I just say it makes me more focused. <laughs> And also I can't be asked. I feel like I'm quite Mm -hmm. busy and I'm in this negative frame of mind where I go, I'm too busy, I can't take on anything else. Mm -hmm. So I've already set myself up for failure mentally because it literally does a loop in my brain. Shall I start meditating? No, I'm not that person because I'm too busy and the whole circle is complete within a tenth of a second and I won't bother.
1: So let me stop you there. What you've done there is your identity in your mind is I'm a busy person. Yes. So, an outcome of I want to meditate, already you'll never do it. I'm too oh. busy to meditate.
0: Yeah. So that's well, what it is. like saying, the right? reading a book. Yeah. I'm too busy to read a book. Yeah. I probably could read a book if I didn't sit in my ass and watch telly every night. Sure. Yeah. Because I'm i I'm a sort person that sits on their ass and watches telly yeah. every night. Diary writing is another one. You've mentioned it already. Mm-hmm. I'm a hoarder of things and memories. I've realized this this week that I I have photographs everywhere and I post on Instagram and Facebook and all of these things because I am a hoarder of never wanting to forget. Mm-hmm. And part of that is me wanting to write a diary of my kids growing up. I really have a fear of of losing my memories of them and not remembering their first right. steps or first walk and things like that scare me scare the hell out of me every day and there's a thing on instagram at the moment with that lovely music about pictures of all the kid things in your house that the kids do that you hate that will actually be the things that you will miss yes, a sweet place, yeah though. and i think that's part of me wanting to write diaries that i don't want to miss out on anything and i sit down every night thinking i need to write in my diary tonight and i never ever do mm-hmm. it's annoying
1: is it on your bedside table in vision
0: no it's in the drawer
1: Put it on your bedside table something yeah. he says make a good habit visible
0: okay interesting so
1: have it on your bedside table or when you make your this is habit stacking another thing he talks about when you make your bed in the morning put your diary with the pen on top of your pillow when you make the bed in the morning okay and then when you go to bed at night it'll be there waiting for you and you'll just have to that's such a simple effective
0: change yeah, yeah. And the other thing is booking in time with each kid like mm-hmm. That's something I always mean to do. I did do it yesterday with George. But yeah, I, I just don't do it because I don't feel like I have enough time. But the funny thing is, I have enough time for this. Mm-hmm. And I have enough time for work because I am a podcaster and I am a writer. So mm-hmm. I make time for those things that I identify as. Exactly. I'm getting this, aren't I? You're getting it. Yeah. But I don't make time as the things that I don't identify as. So sometimes I think, oh, I'm a bit of a shit mum or I don't have time for this and my kids are fine on their own and he's got homework to do. Whereas, in fact, I should go, right, I drop this and I'm going to go and spend time with them, which is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But I don't do because I'm too distracted by work.
1: You're getting it. You're getting it, Vic. It's interesting that we both chose meditation because I think since going sober, I'm seeing a lot of parallels between sobriety and, and meditation. Everyone in the world knows that meditation is something that is probably good for you, but almost everyone in the world does not do it. Yeah. Very similar to alcohol. Even everyone that drinks knows this is probably not doing me much good, but very few people give up. Yeah, so true. Very similar, I thought. Yeah. Right, on the contrary, let's look at both of our sobrieties. So one of the hardest things to change when you first go sober, and it's probably the reason lots of us don't even give it a try, is to divorce yourself from your drinking identity. We don't consider the fact that identities can change throughout our lives. I'm a pisshead and I always will be. My friends know me as a party animal. My whole family drinks, so I have to drink too. These are all stories that we tell ourselves over and over again. How did you battle with these when you first went sober, Vic?
0: Well, I didn't battle them because I didn't know that there was another way of being. Mm -hmm. So I had no battle. I just thought, well, this is the person that I am, which is why this is going to be very, very difficult for me. Yes. Because I have no idea who that person is. It wasn't a battle, but I knew that there was a challenge ahead because I didn't know that a person could evolve. Right. I had no idea that a human being could change so dramatically like I did. Mm And I'm proof, and I'm not saying that in a wanky way, like I'm the king of the world or the queen of Hull. (laughs) I am just saying that to say I am somebody that changed and grew and completely changed my identity, actually. So that was really fascinating for me. It wasn't a battle so much. It was more of an organic change, and it was very, very slow, which is why I wouldn't consider it a battle. It was something that naturally happened when I gave up drinking over a very long period of time. So
1: do you feel as if you flicked a switch the day you went sober from being a piss head to I don't know what I am, but I'll figure it out over time?
0: I think if a switch had been flicked, I think I would have drank again. Yeah. I think that in itself would have been too overwhelming. That whole change of identity, right? I am this person this day. And now I identify as a non drinker. I don't think it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. I think the process is much, much longer. And for me, it was perhaps it doesn't have to be from this book. Mm -hmm. Because perhaps you can go right, actually, I'm not going to be that person anymore. And now I'm going to be a non drinker. But for me, The change in my brain and rewiring all of my old habits took a long time. Mm -hmm. It took more than a year of me stepping into this new body that I have today.
1: But I would say whether you are a day sober, a week sober or a year sober, you are sober. You You are starting that. I am sober. It doesn't matter if someone goes for how long. You go three days. You are sober. You can identify as sober. If you didn't drink today. Yeah. You can identify as sober. Well,
0: perhaps that's why it took me a long time because I couldn't bear to identify as sober mm-hmm. because I was so unsure whether I was doing the right thing at the start. Yep. I knew I wanted to, but I just didn't know it was possible to. Okay. So mentally, I wasn't quite there and it took me a long time to reach a point where I go, I am sober, this is who I identify as. It wasn't as simple as me just changing my mind, which maybe it could have been. Well,
1: now that you are in so many facets of your life, identifying as sober yeah the podcast the book your meetups everything you do is effectively you identifying as sober that that can only reinforce your sobriety like your sobriety is surely as strong as it's ever going to be when you've got all of these different things that you're doing in your life reinforcing that
0: i think it's strong because i had therapy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i think it's strong because i learned how to change i know we use this um, analogy a lot but in therapy i Learned how to build a new house. I tore down the old one mm-hmm. in this process that you're talking about. I tore down the old house and I learned how to rebuild. I knew I had strong foundations. I knew I had good bones. There were a few shitty chandeliers and some crappy yeah. cushions laying around, but I knew I had good bones and I wanted to build on that. And that's what happens in therapy is that you build on what you've got already. You know, I'm a good human. Mm-hmm. I'm not, there's nothing really terribly wrong with me. So therefore, I could crash down everything that had happened before and I could start again and that's what this is it was changing my habits and taking out everything that I'd done wrong and trying to learn good habits yeah so
1: is your drinking placing a strain on your relationship if the answer is yes then how do you go about turning things around
0: this is something Hamish and I get asked all the time and we're always happy to recommend that you work with Sarah Rusbatch
1: Sarah is a grey area drinking coach who has successfully helped thousands of women free themselves from alcohol.
0: We believe that the success of Sarah's course lies in the fact that she focuses on community connection, education and
1: mindset. So many of the women make lifelong friends in these challenges and connect with a tribe who support and cheer for them along the way.
0: January is always Sarah's biggest and best challenge. Wherever you are on this sober journey, this course caters to you
1: all. Plus, as a sober Awkward listener, you can make the most of a huge $159 discount. Just use the code AWKWARD, that's in capitals, AWKWARD, at sarahrusbatch.com to grab your place.
0: The challenge starts on the 8th of January, and you can sign up anytime using this code before the 5th. If you want to change your relationship with alcohol, head to sarahrusbatch.com. That in there, that there was identity, process, and outcome. What about you,
1: Hamish? So, I think I probably did it the wrong way round when I look back on it. And I wonder if there's something in that that perhaps other people that give up without a problem with drinking might be able to relate to.
0: I think doing it the wrong way round, Hamish, is more to do with your karma sutra that we've (laughs) got next to your bed.
1: (laughs) That's why we're still not pregnant. (laughs) So, I focused first on the outcome. I am going to go sober for the podcast for a year, right? That was the goal. Yeah. The process I sort of had to learn on the go, you know, how do I reprogram my brain into not drinking when I'm celebrating or partying or reaching the end of the workday or dealing with something tough? You know, what new processes can I put in place such as not meeting friends at the pub and keeping my fridge top with alcohol-free beer in case I do get the, uh, a craving or a desire to drink? Yeah. The identity thing I still haven't, fully addressed i suppose i still see myself as someone who is sober for now
0: interesting and
1: i I definitely don't see myself as like a drinker who's on a sober holiday yeah i (laughs) don't see myself as like i don't see myself as a drinker who's currently not drinking but i do see myself as somebody sober for the moment i don't know if those are basically the same thing a different way around but it's
0: so interesting because it's the same process as I went through, but mm. yours is a bit more drawn out <laughs> because you still have that uncertainty. And like, what, what is the fear of identifying as a sober person? You know, and that is the fear that everybody feels. Right. That is exactly how you feel. Mm. There is a fear of going, right, I identify as this because what if you fail? Mm -hmm. What if you identify as something and you have it in your heart 100% and you're like, I'm going for this. I'm telling everybody it's part of my life. I'm going on social media and saying, look at me, I'm sober. But then what if you relapse? I think that is a reason why sober people in particular or drinkers have an issue with identifying as sober.
1: Yeah. And that is a whole topic we need to talk about. I feel like all of us find it very difficult to accept that your identity can change during your life yeah now there are elements of your identity that cannot change we are English yes you know yes that is something that is is not going to change but everything else can change mm. and we, we find it very we fight that mm. but no but I'm always fun and I'm a pisshead, or I'm um, you know whatever it is we really like hammer our nails into our identity yeah. and then when they get taken away, We struggle. How often do you hear of a footballer who when they retired became an alcoholic or a gambling addict? Because I've been a footballer for 20 years and I don't know what to do when I'm not. Or a CEO of a business who retires and then feels lost. It happens all the time.
0: Especially if a sports person has an injury. And it's the same with child stars. I know that's a weird comparison, but child stars, they reach a peak at a certain age. Mm. They have full fame. Mm. And when they're 10 years old, And then all you hear is they go completely off the rails because that person their 10 year old them was almost they feel like it's the peak of their identity and from there on it's downhill so no wonder these stars have addiction issues yeah yeah
1: so we need to get better at accepting the fact that identities change constantly
0: yeah and knowing that you don't have to be the same forever because that is something i didn't know and that is all about alcohol is that you don't have to be a drinker forever it is a possibility to not be a drinker and that was a huge revelation for me which i tell on the podcast very often the use of language is incredibly important to your sobriety it might sound small but atomic habits presents the following example which struck true to both of us clear says imagine two people resisting a cigarette when offered one the first says No thanks, I'm trying to quit. They believe they are a smoker, but are trying to be something else. They are hoping their behaviour will change whilst they carry on the same
1: beliefs. The second person declines by saying, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. Their statement signals a shift in their identity. Smoking was part of their former life, not the current one. They do not identify as someone who smokes.
0: It reminds me of a friend of mine, Hamish, who refers to anxiety as my anxiety. And I used to refer to drinking as my drinking, Mm -hmm. like it was an arm or a leg. It was attached to me. And I didn't know that I could just lob it off with the guillotine and start again. You can separate yourself from the things that make you who you are, which I do found thoroughly fascinating about sobriety. It's what we say all the time, Hamish. It's not about alcohol. It's about finding out who you were before it and who comes after it. Mm. So with regards to drinking, your goal is to become sober. Research has shown that once a person believes in a particular aspect of their identity, they are more likely to act in alignment with that belief.
1: The more pride you take in your sobriety being a part of your identity, the more motivated you will be to maintain the habits associated with it. It's kind of like building a house on strong foundations.
0: Okay, exactly what I said. We spoke a little about our identities in our party animal episode a few months ago. But identity is so entwined with our relationship with alcohol. Clearly, the most important thing here is to believe that you can change your identity. Without this, your efforts to become sober are always going to
1: come up short. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a deeper look into what the identity really is. We've been talking about it for about. Half an hour, probably should do yeah. So, the very word identity originally came from the Latin words essentitas, which means being, and identidem, which means repeatedly. So, your identity literally means your repeated beingness.
0: Mm. You were not born with an identity, it instead emerges
1: out of your habits. All of our beliefs are learned through your experiences in life. More precisely, Clear writes that your habits are how you embody your identity. When you exercise every day, you embody the identity of an athletic person. When you don't drink alcohol every day, you embody the identity of a sober person.
0: You only believe the identity you have for yourself right now because of the lifetime of proof you have of it. You spend every Friday and Saturday night for years binge drinking. So you're a binge drinker, hey?
1: Yeah what would you have said to me 10 years ago if I said that in 2023, you would not only identify as sober, but possibly the most loud and proud sober person you're ever going to meet?
0: I would say you were completely mad. Mm. Yeah, I would have been hungover, sat on a couch, eating pepperoni passion pizzas from Domino's with a can of Aid. Feeling like you were talking absolutely... I would have laughed at you, Hamish. Mm-hmm. I would never believed a piss wreck like me could ever in a million years change. What examples do you have, Hamish, of identifying as something today that you never thought you would become, Hamish?
1: Okay, so I've got a few. I think being sober wasn't as unlikely in my head as possibly it was for you. Yeah. You know, I'd done periods of it. It wasn't a million miles away from me. Yes. So I'm not completely surprised that I'm sober today. I do still find it weird that I'm a dad. I'm yes. not sure you your, your kids are now older. Does that ever sink in the fact that you are a mum and they are your children? The fact
0: that I grew three humans inside me still amazes me so it never ever changes. Weird, isn't it? It's weird that they're walking around my house and they're stealing food from the fridge all of these things that they do. I still find it weird. I never get used to it and I still find it hard to identify as a mum actually. yeah yeah
1: it's weird Basi, because you spend all your life thinking. One day that might happen. Yeah. I hope that happens. Yeah. And it does happen and it hasn't sunk in.
0: Yeah. It doesn't ever sink in.
1: Yeah. Um, I go to the gym five days a week. We don't even think about it. Liz just wakes up and gets me ready. And, oh, that makes me sound like a child.
0: <laughs> what does she do? Get your bags she, on for you? Yeah. She just she
1: takes off my dirty nappy, puts on a clean one, gets me out the door. And I guess that makes me a gym buff, which I never thought I would be. Is, is that a term? Is it a gym buff? A gym buff is a term. Oh, I didn't know that one before. I... Don't think if I heard someone tell me that they go to the gym five times a a week that I would like them. Yeah. Get over yourself. Who cares what you look like? You're not making people like you now, Amish. But for me, or for Liz, it's so crystal clear her mental health benefits. Like she drives the gym in a bad mood. She comes back in a good mood.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So I've
1: just sort of hopped onto that habit that she's embedded and I go along with it.
0: I never identify as someone who does any exercise either Hamish and recently on cuppa we did a month's challenge with steps and I did more steps than I'd ever done I was doing at least 10,000 a day I was doing a 5k walk and since then I have started to identify as someone who does exercise because I have done an hour of exercise
1: every day since that's it the proof is there the proof is there I don't eat or drink sugar there isn't a term for that other than maybe dickhead yeah, you reckon, dickhead. A lot
0: of these things that you're listing, Hamish, so I'm just thinking, dickhead.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. and finally, <laughs> I'm training. I'm training to become a breathwork instructor. Not dickhead. I always thought that sounded cool, but it was probably too woo-woo for me with my conventional background, yes. public school, posh parents. Yeah. So I never would have thought that I would be someone who trains to do breathwork, but I'm about to do this course.
0: Yeah. Was well that? So there you go. So what you have to do almost, I know, I'm going to give you a very basic, basic translation of what this atomic habits is mm. it's you thinking you can't do something and then doing it
1: i think that's it yeah i think i think almost more importantly it's that it might be difficult for you to identify as sober when you've always been a piss head, yeah but look at the things you never thought you could be which you've turned out to be yes so i will never be an exerciser i will never be a breathwork instructor i could never be someone that meditates you could easily be that in yeah. No time at all. you just got to start doing it.
0: Just got to start doing it. Yeah. It's actually feel the awkward and do it anyway, it is isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. a bit that, isn't it? I think James Clear has stolen our, our idea. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> We'd get, we get him on. Yeah, we try and get him on. James, come on, talk to us. Changing your identity and becoming sober isn't as simple as snapping your fingers, people. It will take time, day by day, habit by habit. You will
1: continually develop micro-evolutions of yourself. So he describes every habit as being like a suggestion. So, hey, maybe this is who I am. If you like to slip knock on today, then maybe you're the kind of person that likes heavy metal. If you came to the cricket with Haim and didn't hate it, Vic, maybe you're the kind of person that loves cricket now.
0: Never going to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or if you didn't pick up a drink today, maybe you are sober.
0: Yes. These small changes to your habits make a big difference in providing you with the evidence of a new identity. The most practical way to change who you are is to change
1: what you do. So, if you're listening to this podcast and thinking of giving up drinking today, or perhaps you have relapsed again, and you can't figure out why, have a look at addressing your identity before looking at the outcomes and processes.
0: Decide who it is you want to be. It's as simple as that. Then prove it to yourself with small wins each and every day.
1: Should we end up with a couple of quotes in an email? Of course. Reed Hoffman. I like his name or yeah. her name read read could be either sure you remake yourself as you grow and then as the world changes your identity doesn't get found it emerges oh i like
0: the word emerging emerging identities (laughs) yeah it's nice james clear all big things come from small beginnings the seed of every habit is a single tiny decision
1: and then a quick disappointing affirmation you're not alone people are literally everywhere with their stupid problems and their shitty attitudes. You only wish you were alive. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then we've got an email here from Michelle. So she wrote to us and she said, I just wanted to send you guys a quick message from the UK to say how much I love listening to your podcast each week. It never fails to make me laugh. In fact, when Vic talked about shagging a bloke and putting him in his misery was just hilarious. I laughed out loud while stomping the streets on my early morning walk. I'm 17 months alcohol free and each week you both make me feel normal, whatever that might be. Love you both so much. I'm now buying you a couple each month keep up the fab work
0: oh that's so good yeah you can go and buy us a cuppa every month please that would be lovely it helps support this podcast you just go to patreon and find sober awkward on there we have so many amazing patreons and you get some free merch and you get all sorts of little added extras don't you hamish you do and if you
1: want to write to us and share us your story like michelle did there you can email us at Vic and hamish at sober we might even read it out in the podcast if you're okay with it
0: so we're going raving now are we hamish
1: you have just been raving, haven't you?
0: Yeah, I went stompy dancing in Brisbane at the weekend. Talk to me about it. Oh, it was funny. I've just got... I must mention these girls on this podcast because okay. I've got this new sober crew. It was the camping crew, the cuppa camping crew from from a couple of months ago. And it was that weekend where we just all came away. Our faces hurting from laughing. Mm. So this was one of our first meetups since the camping event. And we all went down to Brisbane and we went round lovely Shannon's house and had some dinner. We had some house music on, getting revved up. I, what I will say is that people say sober people are boring Hamish but actually sober people were party people Mm -hmm. they were party girls they were the ones in the midst of the action so we are actually the ones with the good stories
1: yeah Yeah. okay what was the story
0: everybody had good stories but one of the one that leapt out at me was a was one of the ladies she when she used to come home from clubbing with her mate there'd be absolutely hammered and her friend had to go and put the horses from the field back in the stable at like five thirty a.m each mm-hmm. time they went out and once she got on the horse bareback and rode it around for holding onto the horse's mane when she was absolutely
1: hammered wow good going
0: <laughs> i was like god you're lucky to be alive mm. hilarious they all had some brilliant stories and we stompy danced all night at the ministry of sound event it was really really funny awesome. it was just good being out and it was just good being out with sober people. You don't feel any pressure. And I was surprised how not many people were completely off their tits. I was going to
1: say, was it a druggy and boozy event it, or not?
0: Everyone was over 40 because it was 90s classics. Okay. Everyone else went all sexy. They all had black outfits on. I was wearing a Care Bear t-shirt. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I went proper 90s style. Everyone else looked gorgeous. So I was just like this weird teenager. I was like <laughs> Kevin the teenager for the night stomping around. But yeah, it was brilliant. And going out with... People that weren't off their heads was nice, but I did notice that everybody else was quite well behaved, mm. and I was surprised because if that had been me five years ago at that event, I would have just been passed out in the toilet. So everybody there was cool. We did leave at twelve oh one. What's under the end? Three. Okay. Yeah. So there may have been some did people passed. Do you that. have
1: an alarm in your pocket? How we you we so were specific? all checking.
0: Well, we were all checking our steps.
1: <laughs> and that's the like, difference between going out sober and not
0: we're like oh how many steps have you done how many steps have you done oh I'm up to 18,000 this is great isn't it won't have to do my exercise tomorrow but uh,
1: that's how you spot a sober person at a rave yeah. checking their step count on, yeah. their, on their smart usually watch. you
0: see pictures of like Beers being held in a circle or a big cheers, but with sober people, it's just everybody in a circle looking at their (laughs) steps. (laughs) Oh dear, it was fun though. Thanks, girls. It's so nice to have a sober crew. So, yeah, we appreciate you. Anything to say, Hamish?
1: I went to a five year old's birthday party also sober. Yeah, not a single five year old there off their nut.
0: Yeah, and there's probably more puking and shitting yourself (laughs) than even at the Ministry (laughs) of (laughs) Sound. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support.
1: Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one.
0: Yeah, just head to www.cupa.community.
1: Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support.
0: Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, eh, Mish? Bloody hell. How do they share it? Search Therapy Works now, wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to make sure you never miss
1: an episode. Hold up.